I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. I am back, but not really. I'm not back in Canada yet. I am still in Barbados, not complaining. This has been an absolutely amazing trip with my family, although I am definitely ready to get back home. So if you're listening to this live when it first airs, it is Wednesday, May 15th, and my family and I are headed back home tomorrow. So today is our last full day, and I'm ready to get out of this bedroom. I've been podcasting all morning, editing the show for you, getting everything all ready for you to listen to this amazing conversation that I am having today with my friend Nicole Jardim. So Nicole is a women's health coach and she is also a master at supporting women in regulating or fixing their period problems. As Nicole will be sharing with you in the conversation today, she grew up struggling with her period and that led her to really understanding how women's hormones work and now she's super passionate about helping women with their period problems as well. So our main focus of today's show is all about ovulation. So I'm really excited for you to get absolutely schooled by Nicole. I think we focus so much on the actual bleed of the menstrual cycle and there's not so much talk around ovulation. But as Nicole educates us in today's episode, ovulation is actually like the star of the show. So I'm super excited for you to listen to all that she has to say. One reminder before we actually do get into the episode is that my team and I have been working real hard on a brand new program for you. If you've been curious about the lifestyle that I live, how I am constantly doing these daily habits that nourish like the way I think, my emotional health, my mental health, my body. There's specific daily habits that I do every single day that allow me to feel my best all the time. Well, my team and I, we are creating a program all centered around this. So at its core, you are going to be guided through 30 days of these healthy habits that will guide you to living your best life. I know that sounds kind of cheeseballish, but this program is about nourishing your mind, body, and soul. And I believe that when we focus on doing that, we experience this sense of freedom physically, emotionally, mentally, and even spiritually. So we it's a really holistic program, and I'm going to be talking more and more about that, but I just wanted to give you a heads up that we will be opening it up for enrollment very soon. But since you are my podcast bestie, I just wanted to give you a heads up. If you want to be one of the first people to know when enrollment is open, which is going to be within the next few days or so, please subscribe to my newsletter. You can get your name on the list at bit.ly slash Mondays with Meg. So it's a bit.ly link, bit.ly slash Mondays with Meg. And I'll shoot you an email and let you know 
as soon as I can. And I'm so, so excited for this program. Honestly, you are going to love it. If you have any interest in living a more natural lifestyle, but also a lifestyle that just makes you feel empowered and completely whole. So just a heads up on that program. It's called the Nourished and Free Method. And it's a collaborative project that I've been working on with my team. So that just fires me up as well. And I wanted to let you know. All right, let's get into today's show. Hey, Nicole, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on with me today. It's been a while that I wanted to sit down with you and record an episode with you. So this is going to be super fun. Hi, Meg. Thank you so much for having me. I am likewise thrilled to be here. Yeah, well, I have admired your work and all that you do for us women for so many years now. So kind of like a dream to have you on my show. Oh my gosh, I'm blushing. That's Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I appreciate it so much and I'm really glad to be here chatting with you. Well, you do amazing work. So can you give us a little bit of an intro to yourself for everyone who's listening? Oh yeah, absolutely. I you know, I guess I should start from the beginning, perhaps, maybe talk a little bit about how I got into this work. Maybe that's a good idea. But um, for everyone who doesn't know, I'm a women's health coach, and my work centers around helping women fix their period problems. And, uh, you know, this started, it's so near and dear to my heart, because it started so many years ago. And uh, as a teenager, I just had the worst period issues ever. And the kind that, you know, basically make you want to just like curl up and die (laughs) every month. You know, the horrible, heavy periods, seriously painful periods, the type that make you throw up. Uh, And, you know, like the moodiness, I mean, I could go on and on and the exhaustion and whatnot. And I, you know, I, I, the heavy periods, I think were one of the biggest issues just because I would leak through my school uniform. And, you know, that's like a crisis when you're 14, you literally don't want to ever go back to school again. You don't even want to leak, see anyone in society. So it was just all of those really mortifying, really troubling problems that, were, you know, really persistent. They went on for years. I finally saw my gynecologist and she immediately put me on the pill and had said to me at the time that this was the solution. And it actually was, it was my period panacea. Like I remember thinking, wow, in two months, I don't have heavy periods anymore. I don't have painful periods anymore. My period comes for just four days. And who knew that was even possible? And so for a while there, I was like, yes, I have found the magic bullet. And then things started to turn, take a turn for the worst. And I remember thinking, okay, this is really weird, but whatever, you know, it's just like, nobody seems to know what's wrong with me. I'll just like roll with it. And it ended up being that I had, you know, I sort of like, I, I re- reached my expiration date with the pill. The, thresh- the threshold had been crossed and I got to the point where because I wasn't ovulating anymore, I was having like, terrible joint pain. My hair was falling out. I developed melasma like all over my face. It was just a really bad time. I remember my sex drive was non-existent. Sex really hurt. I had these UTIs and yeast infections. I mean, just like everything, you just list the whole gamut of side effects from the pill. And that little did I know at the time that was what led me on this long ass journey that I have now been on for like the last over a decade where I went from doctor to doctor, just bouncing around, kind of hoping that someone would give me a reason why I had all these problems and maybe a solution, but nobody really offered anything. And eventually I saw an acupuncturist and he was the person who finally said, I think the pill might be causing these problems. And it was the first time after no joke, like 15 doctor visits that someone had said something like that. And so that was that was really the beginning, the catalyst for all of this. And I started seeing him regularly. I got off the pill. I changed my food. I changed my exercise. I started meditating. All of these things. I almost became like a spiritual self-help, like health and wellness junkie and tried all the things. Yeah. I'm sure you can relate. (laughs) Oh yeah. Big time for sure. So you were at that point and then what happened as you were like consuming all of this self-help stuff and how did you become such an expertise in your area? 
I, you know, it's funny because it takes time, as you know, and over, I had studied film production in, in college. And so I was sort of just graduating and getting into the freelance film and TV world. And that was my dream. I remember saying at 14, that was what I was going to do. Uh, so I couldn't totally abandon that. And I still was so in love with the work and whatnot, but this health thing was definitely at the back of my mind. And so ultimately I, you know, I jumped into the film world. I did a lot of that work for a number of years and I found my, my health suffering because of it. And, you know, I'd done a lot of work to get to the point where I was feeling a lot better. And then it was, I was probably like late twenties, mid to late twenties. And I was working on a big commercial. It's like a Monday night football commercial. It was a really big deal. And I literally could not get out from like under my desk. I'd laid down under my desk. <laughs> because I had the worst period pain and it come back with a vengeance. And I, you know, I couldn't do the work that I needed to do because this was infringing on it. And so I got to the point where I, you know, I went back to not eating any set food, basically just like bringing my own food, which was ridiculed. And, um, you know, went back to acupuncture consistently. I started, you know, taking care of myself, uh, saying no to jobs that I just felt were going to kill me. And I, at the point, I got to the point where I realized that I was so much more passionate about this health stuff than I really was about film production. I felt like I was really nearing the end of that. It was sort of like towards my late twenties. And so I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. I studied to be a health coach through their program. And then I, you know, I knew that if I could just help one woman, just one, not go through what I had been through, then I was like, my work is done here. Uh, little did I know. And so I studied with Dr. Sarah Gottfried. Her program was one of the programs that I did first. And that was, that just blew my head off, really. It was just what all that she taught was so incredible. It really changed my perspective. And for the first time, I felt like I really understood this hormonal health stuff. And then I trained with Dr. Jessica Drummond as well. I did a women's health coach certification program, which was also, I mean, like, again, game changer. I felt like I knew things then. And then I learned more and you know how these things go. Mm -hmm. And finally, I did a training with Chris Kresser as well on functional medicine and, and nutrition. And, and throughout that process, I've learned a lot more along the way from other practitioners and, and doctors. And it's just, so it's been like a mishmash of like all kinds of, of trainings that I've done to get to where I am helping women with their period problems. Yeah. No wonder you are such an expert because you had some pretty phenomenal teachers. Yeah. They're all pretty phenomenal. No yeah. doubt. Yeah. So, but so are you. And okay. now you work with so many women on period problems, right? Yes, girl. So mm -hmm. I know for my listeners in particular, and even myself, I'm actually in the process of overcoming amenorrhea. And I know a lot of women listening to this also struggle with amenorrhea or just like wonky periods, painful periods, things like that. So in your practice, what do you see maybe the most common um, issue being around periods and menstrual cycle? You know, I would say that it's actually not amenorrhea, but it is, but that is one of the things that I do see quite a bit. I, one of the biggest, or I'd say the two biggest symptoms are PMS and painful periods across the board. I, you know, women, I have a quiz on my website and women take it. And I think like 80% of women deal with PMS symptoms pretty much every month. And close to that are dealing with painful periods, at least the women who are coming to me. I know that's slightly distorted, but it's still a reflection of the main health concerns that women experience with relation to their reproductive function. And amenorrhea is on that list though of, of conditions that are up there. And so that an extremely irregular cycle. So I would say those mm -hmm. four issues are like at the top of, of the women's health issues that I'm dealing with. Okay. And yeah. I know we want to chat about ovulation today. And you also mentioned that in your history, you weren't ovulating and mm -hmm. so many symptoms were like a result of that. So can we talk more about that? Because I think ovulation isn't something that is talked about 
enough, right? There's not really a balance between like menstruation and ovulation. Um, There's so much focus, obviously. I mean, I even brought it up. I'm trying to get my period back. And so we're focused on like the menstruating part of things. But I know you and I really want to talk about ovulation today. And like I said, that was something that you weren't experiencing and had a lot of symptoms because of it. Yeah. You know, I, I really appreciate this because I, I agree that we talk about periods as if they're the star of the show, but really ovulation is. And because it's not something we actually see necessarily happening, it's just sort of out of sight, out of mind. Whereas periods are, you know, they're kind of that barometer for what's going on. And even though we don't really totally know that either, but it's happening and it's a physical thing. It's happening consistently. And I, you know, when it comes to ovulation, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of writing a book right now and it's, you know, and I've been deep in the research around this exact topic. And I think, you know, I will say, like I said, amenorrhea is, you know, is lower on the list when it comes to PMS and painful periods. But I have felt personally over the last four to five years that we're sort of in an amenorrhea, extremely irregular period epidemic, in fact. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there are a number of different causes, but I think what we all need to get back to, first of all, is that our bodies are not that complicated. Hormones pretty much dictate everything. Hormones are made in specific ways. And for women, specific, like really like crucial hormones are made when we ovulate. So we've got estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone are really made mostly because of ovulation happening. So when ovulation is shut off for whatever reason, or it doesn't happen, then we end up operating at this sort of increasing deficit when it comes to these, these hormones that are quite critical for a range of functions in our bodies. And so when it comes to ovulation and it not happening, we, you know, we have a number of reasons why that might be. And of course we can talk about the birth control pill. And I know you've shared a lot of your story about what's going on with your, with amenorrhea for you. And I think that that's the birth control issue is, is the case for a lot of women. And, you know, we've, we've got the sort of one size fits all approach in conventional medicine, which clearly does not work uh, because we're dealing with women's bodies and those happen to all be quite different. And so we end up in a situation for so many of us where the period, uh, sorry, the pill doesn't really work as we had anticipated it working. You know, it's it's birth control, but it's really, um, it's hormone imbalance in a pill Mm -hmm. because it's shutting off ovulation, which is this fundamental uh, occurrence that should happen in a woman's body every single month. And the fact that we're turning that off without even a thought as to the repercussions of it is almost criminal in a way. And so that's, you know, that's, I'm a little extreme, but I feel that way. It incenses me because I feel as though I see what the repercussions are. And I'm sure you do. And lots of other people do who work with women. And that is that when you stop ovulating, you stop making these crucial hormones. Uh, it, you know, estrogen and progesterone play a massive role in our bone growth. These girls who are being put on the pill at 13 or 15 or 16, their bones, are certainly not even close to being finished. I mean, right. growing, it doesn't, fin- they don't finish until you're like 25. So what are we doing when we're stunting the production of these, these crucial hormones? Like, what are we doing to our, our bones? And are we setting up our, you know, these girls for osteopenia and osteoporosis in their twenties, thirties, and forties? And yeah, that's basically what the research shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we've got bone health, we've got brain health, and we talk about that too a lot in with estrogen and progesterone and the fact that those two hormones play a significant role in our moods and how our brains function on the daily. And so we end up again at, you know, with this deficit and major mood disorders. I can't tell you how many women I know who are on birth control and also on an antidepressant that that usage, right, started after being on the pill and nobody is either not making the connection, like the doctors aren't making the connection or maybe just don't care. I don't really know. Um, you know, and I could go on and on. I mean, like we, you know, clitoral shrinkage, (laughs) you don't ovulate consistently and you don't make these, these hormones, vaginal atrophy and vaginal dryness and painful sex and a host of other, you know, issues or conditions that are related to vaginal, um, or pelvic pain, uh, like dyspareunia and vulvodynia and all of these kinds of conditions that 
we, you know, we don't again realize that it's connected to that one thing, that ovulation that should be happening, happening consistently. And I felt like that. I felt like I was losing my mind. And, you know, when I hadn't ovulated for a long period of time and I, I clearly don't have great estrogen receptors, like my receptors are kind of like a little slow on the uptake. And so for me to not have consistent estrogen being made in my body, I was just depressed. I was depressed. I was ready to, yeah, not, I, well, I wasn't ready to kill myself, but I, but I've heard that is a symptom too. So Coming back to ovulation, this this event that happens every month is, you know, I just I think that we need to first of all pay more attention to it and and really it's it's like a revered thing for me. I feel like it's like I said before, it's the star of the show and it really should be something at the forefront of our conversations around women's health and amenorrhea in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can totally feel you on everything that you said about birth control. Um, I was unfortunately put on birth control, even though I wasn't fully over an eating disorder. I was struggling with orthorexia and the gynecologist that I was working with at the time said it wasn't healthy that I wasn't getting my period, which is true. But then she put me on birth control versus sending me somewhere else to get help for an eating disorder. And I was obviously in really um, dire need of gaining some weight and properly fueling my body. And I'm sure that I wouldn't be where I am today if I addressed it back then, right? And didn't take birth control instead. Oh, my goodness. I could not agree with you more. And I, you know, I think that that is, I hear this often. I imagine you do too. It's that women feel so much regret. You know, they know they've learned now what they, you know, what they didn't know before. And it's true. You don't know what you don't know until you know. And they feel so much anger and regret and resentment for, uh, being put on something and not being given fully informed consent, and what that means is you're being you're you're being given information like all the information. So you're being told what's in the birth control pill, how it can potentially affect you, what the side effects are, you know, the major side effects, and you're also being presented with all the other birth control options and we're just, we're not, I think we're just woefully misinformed or mm-hmm. uninformed about about these about what I consider to be really powerful medications and they're not even hormones that are in them. It's, you know, they're like, they're steroid drugs basically. Right. And they have vastly different effects on your body than say your actual endogenous estradiol and progesterone and testosterone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with someone or as someone who has overcome an eating disorder, I'm really passionate about mental health and really, you know, take my mental health as a high priority on my list. And when I was put on birth control many years ago, this was obviously, but when those pills were given to me, I had no idea that it could impact my mental health, my mood and emotions, things like that. Basically, the only symptom I knew about was from my friends and that was waking. That's like kind of all girls are told when they're teenagers, when they're put on birth control is that you might gain weight. Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. It's so true. It's such a good point. It's the, that is the one question I get so many times. And that that's truly the only conversation that we're having around the side effects. Really? That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. It's very wow. unfortunate, but it kind of shows you where our society's minds are, right? We focus yes. on like, okay, what's going to happen to my body when I take these pills, but not really all of the other aspects of your health, which is so yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. It's true. It's what we put precedence on. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, So I do want to chat more about ovulation. You said that it is the star of the show. So can we talk more about like why and what actually all goes on when ovulation happens? Yes. Oh my gosh. So ovulation, like I said, is this big thing that happens and it's sort of the, you know, it, it, 
I think it's like the culmination of a lot of a lot of different processes going on in our bodies from the time our you know our period is coming to an end. And so I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, I saw that you have an episode on the phases of the cycle and, you know, like someone explaining how all of those work. And so I just want to give a brief sort of synopsis on that. And really what that is, is that we have four sort of distinct times in your monthly menstrual cycle. And there are two phases, really. It's the follicular phase and then the um, the luteal phase. And so, in between that, though, there's ovulation and then there's the menstrual cycle or menstrual or the period that happens as well. And so, when it comes to ovulation, what's really cool is that your your body is really sort of preparing to have a baby at all times. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's not the case for most of us. We're certainly not preparing mentally and emotionally, but your body is just doing her thing. So you got to roll with that. But what's really awesome is that you your ovary so or ovaries they are they start their their process even before you get your period from the last cycle there are slightly prepping some follicles in your ovary or your body is slightly prepping follicles in your ovary to uh, get ready so it's like almost the chosen one is going to be going to be the one that ovulates and so as your per- your period sort starts to end and taper off like around day five well anywhere between day three and day seven of your cycle. That's usually how long I think a period should be, somewhere around there. So when you're, as your period starts to taper off, there is a hormone called gonadotropin releasing hormone. And so that hormone actually is sent from the brain and it's telling your um, uh, what was it? pituitary gland, <laughs> pituitary gland. I was like, I know that name. Um, and it's telling it to produce follicle stimulating hormone. So that's a hormone that's going to tell your ovary that it needs to get these little follicles ready for ovulation. And so this is, you know, this happens really fast. So it's within like a five to 10 day period. And so your follicles are getting ready. FSH is being produced. It's doing its thing. It's recruiting, um, you know, the, the little follicles and it's going to find one. And so what then happens is, um, that one follicle is selected from the group, like I said, the chosen one, and that's the one that's going to go on to be uh, the one that ovulates or that releases an egg. And so what's amazing about all of this is that it's such an intricate process, right? And it involves every aspect of your body. And I think what we don't realize too is that because it it involves your brain, obviously, and you know involves your ovaries. It's really important to remember that when you're in a state of extreme stress, or you know you're, you're you feel like your brain has been hijacked by life in general, that that will potentially impact those hormones that are being made in your brain that are then being telling your ovaries to do what they need to do. So we don't really realize that, right? Because we think, oh, it's just happening in our ovaries, so it can't possibly be affected, but mm-hmm. it definitely can. And so you know, when we, when I, when we think about like what then goes on, you know, in our ovaries, I think it's important to remember too, that this is, you know, such an intricate process that there are a lot of different factors that can potentially cause it to not work. And while I don't want to sort of reinforce this idea that women's bodies are so complicated and unfixable, I do want to reiterate that, there's, you know, there are a lot of moving parts. And so if there, you know, but it's, I think it's fixable. Like that's the thing that we should all remember that yes, there are a lot of moving parts, but there are a lot of things that you can do to get things back on track. Mm-hmm. So I could keep going. <laughs> yeah, keep going. well, I absolutely love this conversation and we definitely will keep going. But I do have one question and that is, can yeah. someone be getting her period and not ovulating? Because I believe that is a thing, correct? It is a thing. Oh yeah. my gosh, you definitely can. And so really, I think I should say that actually, because like a, the true definition of a period is when you're, you know, when you're actually bleeding, but it's, it's followed by ov- like, ov- right. it proceeds. Uh, not proceeds, um, but it follows ovulation. So when you ovulate, that's an actual period. But if you're just bleeding, that's just considered like a hormonal bleed. And so really what's happening there is that 
you know, your body does have some degree of hormone production outside of ovulation as in estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. Um, so what happens is sometimes, you know, like your body may attempt to ovulate. So you may produce some of those hormones that you need to, for that second half of your cycle. And then what will happen is your body just doesn't ovulate again, like the brain, usually it's a stress thing. And, and then you'll you'll notice like 10 to 14 days after you, your body attempted to ovulate or um, you know and didn't that you might have like bleeding or spotting and so mm-hmm. that's the case for a lot of women and in fact if you're not ovulating you may even have really heavy bleeding if you were to have heavy periods and not be ovulating that can definitely happen too and the reason for that is because in order to make progesterone that that hormone that keeps your uterine lining in place you need to um, be ovulating. And so if you don't ovulate, you don't make progesterone and your estrogen sort of goes up way too high in relation to your progesterone, your uterine lining gets too big or it, it just builds up too much. And then you just like, you have these like floods of heavy periods. So it's really, it's weird because different women have different symptoms. And for some women, they don't ovulate and they do not get a period and others don't ovulate and they get these gushy heavy periods. So it looks different for different people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I can definitely see why you do consider ovulation to be like the star of the show. Because like you said, you aren't actually getting a true period if you're not ovulating, but you can still bleed without ovulating, right? Yeah, exactly. And I'm sorry, did you say that you can be ovulating but not actually have a period? No, typically you, if you ovulate, you get a period. I, I heard recently from someone who said to me that she, that a friend of hers ovulates and does not get a period and hasn't had a period in years and has managed to have two children. I have no idea how that's possible. I would love to have a conversation with this person, but generally speaking, from my understanding is that when you are ovulating get a period. And so that comes back to that process I was describing. So that follicle that I described, so it releases an egg. And so that's considered the actual act of ovulation. And what happens is it turns into sort of like a mini endocrine gland. It's amazing. And so that little follicle will start to produce progesterone. And so that progesterone will last you, you know, through your, you know, through till menstruation. And what happens is if you're if there's no fertilization of the egg that's just been released and you don't actually get pregnant then that little follicle that was now your temporary endocrine gland it's like okay i'm done <laughs> closing for business and moving on and so what happens is it basically shuts down progesterone production your progesterone you'll see it like it if you looked at a blood test result over the course of the month you'd see progesterone sort of do like a big hill kind of thing mm-hmm. and then it drops pretty fast towards the end right before your period and that signifies or that signals to your uterine lining that it's time for it to go. And so that's why we get our period. So it's a hormone drop. And yeah, so there's really no way to, from my understanding, to ovulate and not get a period anywhere from about 10 to 16 days later. Right. But you can get a period without ovulating. So everything you're saying about the fact that we should be paying more attention to ovulation makes so much sense. So thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. I know everyone's going to be loving this and there's so much more to chat about. So something that I want to talk more about is maybe things that can stop ovulation or kind of like disrupt ovulation. I know you talked about stress and clearly I know that's a huge one. So can we maybe elaborate more on the types of stress and other things that can disrupt ovulation? Oh yeah, for sure. So like I was saying to you, you know, when your brain feels like, or when you feel like your brain has been hijacked, uh, then your brain starts to go a little haywire and it's just not sending the right signals to the right places. Uh, That's a very simplified version of it, but that is kind of what happens. And so when we're talking about 
stress, I'm talking about chronic, mental, emotional, psychological stress. And what that looks like is potentially, I mean, well, again, I should say we're all so different, right? Some of us had very stressful childhoods. And so as a result, our stress threshold is a little bit lower and we do not respond as well as say someone who maybe grew up in a a very safe household and had you know a lot of stability. So it just really depends. Like that's why we always say this, right? It really comes back to the person who is experiencing the problem and like their unique lifestyle, their circumstances, their genetics, all of it. And so what I will say though, is that I've seen it run the gamut. I have seen, uh, you know, like a woman who, Uh, you know, well, it happened to my mom. My dad passed away when I was really young and that trauma for my mom sent her into perimenopause pretty early. And so you can see how something really traumatic like that could do it. But also just, I mean, I've also seen like a, a very, like an acutely stressful event, like a car accident, for instance, if you were supposed to have been ovulating around that time, that that trauma in that moment might send a signal, you know, it sends a signal to your brain and your brain then to your ovaries that this is not a safe time to ovulate and potentially make a baby. So our bodies have really not evolved from the bodies of women on the plains 10,000 years ago, when you have an acutely dangerous situation or a stressful situation, um, what you end up having is uh, a body that says, okay, this is not a good time to do this. And so what we have to remember in modern times is that our bodies are still protecting us. And really, more than anything, I want to just say, you know, that they're just doing their job and we're not broken. There's nothing that we need to fix. I mean, well, yes, there's things that need to be addressed, but we're not broken. And in fact, our body is working exactly the way it's meant to, and it's working hard for you. And so we just really have to pay attention to the stress side of things. So that's the mental emotional piece. Exercise or excessive exercise, I've especially professional athletes, I see massive amounts of amenorrhea and lack of ovulation in women, especially uh, athletes. So that's a big thing. But women like who aren't athletes too, if there's too much exercise, again, that's your, that's a form of physical stress. And again, your brain interprets that if you're just, you know, running on a treadmill for two hours a day, your brain literally thinks you're running for your life and it will tell your ovaries to slow down. It'll also tell your thyroid to slow down. So we end up in this state of, of, uh, hormonal disharmony because, our brains, again, are interpreting all of these external stimuli as being problematic. The other one that I think is so important is our food. And I know you, you're you an expert and you talk a lot about this, but we most women I have found who come to me are literally just not eating enough food yes. to maintain <laughs> ovulation, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially yeah. carbs. Like when we talk about uh, women who are on a low-carb diet, I've, had, I've seen this a lot too, they come to me and they say, you know, I'm skipping periods. I don't know why. Okay. What did you do? What have you done recently? Oh, I started a keto diet or I went really low carb and nothing wrong with these diets for specific circumstances. But I think that we have got to do a bit of a, I don't know, we need to do some recon on how these diets are impacting our ovulation and our menstrual cycles. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like that's a big one. So I would say those are the three main uh, sort of root root causes, but then you know those 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 causes cause other things right. like they cause polycystic ovarian syndrome or you know they cause uh, potentially hyperprolactinemia, which is too high uh, prolactin. Prolactin is usually the hormone dominant after giving birth. It stimulates breast milk production. Not so great if you're 25 and you know you're stressed to the max and your prolactin is high and it's causing you to not have a period. Right. So it's really important for us to think about you know these these root root causes and then the causes that happen, the second tier sort of causes, like I said, the hyperprolactinemia, the PCOS and premature ovarian failure. I don't know if you have experienced that with anyone who you've maybe worked with or anyone who's come to you, but that's another one that I also am deeply concerned about. And I have found that for some women, especially genetically with genetic predispositions, they, they take the pill 
um, maybe they're not eating enough or they're over-exercising. And so it's this combination effect. And they, in, and it seems to be in their 20s where they develop um, this condition called premature ovarian failure, which means that your ovaries, long before they're supposed to stop, stop working properly at all. And you lose your period completely. You lose the ability to ovulate. You're almost in menopause. It's like a pre-menopause scenario. Okay. And that's really frightening. So that's another option or another thought around this too. Around yeah, that is really terrifying. And there's no going back after that, right? Yeah, I mean, like there are a few people who seem to have, you know, found a solution to it. You know, a friend of mine, Dr. Anna. Quebec, she's actually just written a book called The Hormone Fix, and she talks about her own experience of reversing premature ovarian failure. And so I think depending on the causes of it and how long it's been going on for and the circumstances, there's potential for that. I mean, I know she's got her own story, but I have yet to see a woman reverse it. Okay. But if I it's do, truly premature ovarian Right. Failure. And that's what yeah. I was just going to say. I think there's a lot of doctors out there that aren't really well versed or educated on amenorrhea either. So there's probably a lot of misdiagnoses happening as well, right? Yes, I completely agree with that. You know, PCOS, I feel, has become a trash can diagnosis. I, it just kills me because we are we're diagnosing women who come off the pill with PCOS in record numbers because it seems to be the only diagnosis that makes any sense to doctors. But really what it is is that they've been on the pill for so long and their ovaries just don't even know what to do anymore. Right. And you know, they've been so out of practice for so long that it's likely that they, you know, they just need the right nutrients. They maybe need to do some gut healing. They maybe need to manage their stress, things like that. And they can restore regular periods. I've seen it a million times. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I agree with that, that we really have to be discerning about the diagnosis and making sure that we don't allow that diagnosis to become our identity. Because that's another thing I see too, is that we become so wrapped up in our diagnosis because we've been fighting so long for it, which I yes. get. Um, but that there are, you know, there are many ways to reverse a lot of the diagnoses or the symptoms that are involved. And it's, you know, it's important for us to be empowered in that knowledge. Yeah, for sure. So can you and I chat about maybe ways to improve ovulation if someone maybe isn't ovulating or just wants to improve their current ovulation and make their periods better, make their whole like menstrual cycle that much more enjoyable? Yes. Oh my gosh. I know. Yeah. You know, I remember chatting with a friend of mine and we were talking about having what is known as an efficient ovulation. And that's kind of what we're all going for here is that, you know, we're wanting an ovulation that comes from a healthy follicle and that then turns into a healthy corpus luteum, which is the little mini endocrine gland. Um, and so really what's important to understand is that those follicles, they started their journey. There's like, it's like, they call it the hundred day journey because they really started at about a hundred days ago where they were getting primed and ready to be chosen. I feel like it's a version of the hunger games or something. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, but it kind of is right. Hunger games for follicles. And so you know, we have to keep that in mind. So think about the fact that well, first of all, we should consider what we're doing and you know, what we were doing three months ago. And that may be what is causing an ovulatory problem like now. So thinking back and always remembering that your body, again, your period, your ovulation, it's just a reflection of your overall health. It's just a reflection of what's been going on in your life, physically, mentally, emotionally. And so that's the first step is to know that all this is, is a barometer for your health. And so if there's, if there's something going on, then it's definitely indicative of something else in the overall structure or scope of your health. So I always want women to know that because that means that there are solutions. So that's the first thing. So then the next thing is, okay, so if it's about a three to four month process, then we really have to give ourselves that time to really work through, you know, whatever it is that we need to deal with. So if it means, you know, if it means that there is whatever, a whole lot of stress, like you have a very stressful job or you're not eating well, or you're not exercising, you're exercising too much. 
you know, again, it's so unique. And I think that that's important for us to remember too, is that there's just no one size fits all. And that's what I found with amenorrhea too, is that getting your period back, it's so dependent on a lot of factors. And I saw you had an interview um, with Nicola Rinaldi. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that was a great one. And, you know, and I think I'm sure she says the same thing too, is that it's, you know, there's definitely no one size fits all because we're kind of in this unprecedented time where, you know, millions upon millions of women have used birth control and, and their circumstances are all different. So of course the solution is, is, is nuanced, but I will say that your ovaries are really dependent on nutrients. And so I can't stress enough to women that a nutrient dense, like overflowing diet is so crucial. And what I have found in my experience is that yes, leafy greens and, you know, all the veggies and whatnot, but the protein and fat that I think is missing in the sort of conventional mindset around diet is so crucial. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my biggest, I think my biggest recommendation is making sure that you're getting adequate protein and fat. And then there's carbohydrates. I was just going to say, we can't forget about those because I think the thing with women, we hear, oh, protein and fat is really important. And then that's all we're seeing on their plate with some leafy greens. And yes, yes, there are carbohydrates and all types of vegetables, but I don't believe those are the types of carbohydrates that you're talking about. No. And I'm with you all the way. I feel like we again, like you said, we definitely put carbs on the back burner because we're so afraid of them. And which is crazy because what's amazing when you look at the research for ovulation, you actually need carbohydrates. Like, in fact, I find that women crave carbohydrates in that lead up to ovulation because ovulation is such an energy intensive process that your body goes under, goes through. And it's almost like a transformation. I mean, you're literally making an endocrine gland. <laughs> That's yeah. insane on your ovary every single month. And it happens within a day or two. It's, it's incredible. And it's not only just an endocrine gland, it's like fully vascularized. It's got blood vessels going to it and stuff. It's amazing. And that little gland is going to make enough progesterone to last your pregnancy. It's like the first three months until the placenta takes over. So it's really, I mean, when you think about what your body might need for that <laughs> structural component. Right. Carbohydrates are huge. So if you're craving carbs in the lead up to your ovulatory time, just eat them. Like make sure that you're getting them. And, you know, in the form of sweet potatoes and squashes and pumpkin and even rice, if that's what you feel you need, or quinoa, or what, you know, some other I'm not a fan of the gluten the gluten filled grains, but gluten free grains, mm-hmm. huge fan of not only sweet potatoes, but regular potatoes too. Like eat the food that, you know, you've been told not to eat because it's going to be a game changer yeah. I think, for women. especially who have I been. personally have just recently, well, a couple months ago, added gluten-free grains back into my diet. And I truthfully have never felt better. I mean, I'm feeling the best I have in years and my digestive system is like the best it's been, but I'm just like waiting on my period still, but I trust that it is coming. But I think it was really, really crucial for me to add those foods back in because just from personal experience and from what I see within my clients, it's really, really difficult to consume enough carbohydrates for healthy hormones when you're just eating like sweet potatoes all the time. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that too. I, you know, I, that's the other thing, you know, some women don't need as many and they are fine, mm-hmm. but that's why it's so crucial to have body literacy and period literacy and understand that your body is not going to function like your best friends and you are going to potentially need, you know, you might, you, she might be fine just on some sweet potatoes or she might be fine on a ketogenic diet, but you're not going to be. And so the sooner you can really have a grasp of what's going on with your menstrual cycle, just from an understanding, understanding like what actually happens in it and what the signs and symptoms are of a healthy cycle, the sooner you'll be able to experiment and see, because I don't know about you. I'm assuming you're the same as me in terms of experimentation and just trying new things and seeing what works for your body and what doesn't. And I do that all the time and Mm -hmm. we have been for ages now. And 
I find the same thing too. I, you know, I've had, I've tried lots of gluten in my diet and that doesn't really work. <laughs> I've tried, you know, I've tried like, I've tried the gluten-free grains. I take them out. Sometimes I feel great, but then sometimes I feel like I need them. So I just think that your body needs different things at different times. 100%. And it's really important for us to honor that too. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, Nicole, I could keep chatting with you forever, but I've taken up so much of your time and I'm so grateful for this conversation. I know you're actually on vacation right now, are you? Oh, no, I'm not on vacation. We, well, not quite. I came to Antigua where I'm from originally to visit my family and we extended the trip a little bit, but we're working. Okay. (laughs) Just working in the warmth. Yeah, clearly you're working and I can't thank you enough for jumping on the show with me today. But this podcast is all about providing information and conversations to my listeners to help them become even more unbreakable versions of themselves. And I think being educated on the importance of ovulation and our cycles is really key for becoming even more unbreakable. So I have one more question for you. And that is, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Oh my gosh. I love this. It means to be resilient, to be able to roll with what life is handing you and to have such deep trust in who you are and yourself that, that you are unbreakable, yes. <laughs> Literally, that, that no one else's opinions or beliefs can shake you. Yes. I love the peace on trust. And that's, yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. And can you please share um, where we can all find you and connect with you? I know you mentioned you're writing a book too. So maybe share a little bit more about that with us just so we can stay tuned for that. Yes. Thank you. So you can find me on NicoleJardim.com. I have a blog with a lot of information similar to what I've just talked about. And I'm, I spend a majority of my time from a social media standpoint on Instagram. So it's just Instagram, um, forward slash Nicole M like Madeline Jardim. Uh, I'm also on Facebook too, but eh. <laughs> you know, Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I have a podcast as well. It's called The Period Party. We interview a lot of people on there and it's ha- it has a ton of information. And yes, I'm writing a book. It's called Fix Your Period. It comes out in the spring of 2020. So I've got a little bit of time, although the manuscript is due a lot sooner than that. So I'm hustling. Of course. <laughs> but that will, yeah, that will really... I think outline just the protocols that I have been sort of developing over the last six, seven years of doing this work with women and their periods. Well, I am very excited for that book and I know everyone listening will be too. So we will keep them updated on that as well. Thank you so much, Meg.